This is Wave Nunley. Wave has spoken here at CCC many times and is now a retired full-time professor, retired from the full-time job at Evangel, and uh, you have your own ministry um, that we'll talk about here in a second. But what a pleasure it is to have you. You know, I've told my congregation this, and I've told you this, but I'm embarrassing again. I've got a bevy of commentaries I use preaching through Acts, which, by the way, has taken me over four years to finish. Uh, and yours, Sorry about to, to pile on. <laughs> no, it was great. Yours has been my favorite, uh, and I really, really appreciate the scholarship you put toward it, um, the way that you even-handedly addressed different denominational issues, um, and it's just who you are. You're honest, and uh, I really appreciate that. I appreciate your family, and you know we love you here at CCC and the Thank impact you. that you've made. It's good to be home at CCC. <laughs> <laughs> love you guys. So we had this idea of kind of riffing on uh, the book of Acts, and uh, uh, you are now doing a ministry via video connected with your uh, love for Israel in the land. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so basically it's not a t like a real like uh, traditional retirement. We've just changed gears, used COVID as an excuse to do that. I was close to retirement anyway. And we've become so busy with the creation of um, Bible in context videos and uh, arranging, organizing, teaching uh, study groups to the land of Israel so that people get a land of the Bible immersion um, uh, experience. By the way, we have a, a trip coming up uh, the end of May, 21st through 31st, where we still got some spots on the bus. If you're interested, then check out the website. And uh, we'd love to have you along. Um, so that has, t has started taking up so much of our time that we really needed and, and needs more time donated, dedicated to it to, um, to, to, uh, to make that the absolute best that it can be that uh, we just thought that this was a good time to transition to that uh, more or less full time. Well, that's exciting. I'm excited to hear about how God's going to use that. Yes. I know you have a love for the land. You used to live there, right? Lived there. Moved there in the early 1980s. Did a master's degree there and have been involved uh, living, studying, teaching uh, the Bible from the context of where it actually ha happened uh, and uh, introducing people to the world of the Bible in a full immersion sort of uh, experience. Yes, that's where our hearts have been for a long, long time. You know, I don't know how many... Evangel students have told me when I say, yeah, so do you know Wave and Lacey Nunley? And they'll say, he's the smartest guy I know. <laughs> that guy's got his act together. Right yeah, now. it's cool to be this old and still every, everybody fooled. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. Well, listen, let's, let's dive into the book of Acts. You know, um, and this is not rehearsed, although we did do the service um, the first service, and I sure enjoyed it. We yeah, had fun. Yeah, so you guys got to be really careful with us because we have had one dress rehearsal. <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> so just to kind of get a lay of the land, there's some basic theological observations to make that kind of lay a groundwork for, I think, what we're going to talk about and the applications we make. Uh, number one is the idea that the gospel we see expressed here in the book of Acts being universally offered that God's people's not just the Jews, but Gentiles are included. Yes. And that is a major shift yes, in it is. how the Jewish people were to look at things. Right. Um, the other 
is that the Holy Spirit is active. And that, and, and well, this may seem, well, duh, right? But some of us grew up in traditions, me being uh, one of them, that the Holy Spirit is somehow relegated in this dispensation to somehow lesser than what he did in the book of Acts or in the New Testament, and we shouldn't look for all that stuff, okay? Uh, I no longer believe that, um, and I don't think we can put God in a box or expect the Holy Spirit to do lesser than. Mm-hmm. Uh, somehow that seems to limit my faith and my, my view of God. Um, and the other is that, and this is kind of evangelistic oriented, that God can redeem anybody, yeah. the worst of sinners. And you look at somebody like the Apostle Paul and killing Christians, jailing Christ, uh, Christians, that was pretty paramount. And other people as well. Um, anything you'd add to that list as far as a major theme, or does that pretty much cover it? Maybe just uh, some of the connections between the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts, because they're written by the same person, how those themes track all the way through both books. Yes, yes. Well, we'll just go ahead and start off with a bang, because I, I want to get this not out of the way, but I think it's just so, so cool. This idea of uh, seeing God use people during this time. Mm-hmm. You know, I look at Paul preaching in the synagogues. You know, I see yeah. him, um, you know, preaching to crowds and, you know, say hundreds or thousands come to Christ. And it's like, wow. I mean, can God still do that? And then I look back in my life and I see God using in extraordinary ways him doing that, but yeah. somehow I didn't fit it in, into the same scenario, whether it was, uh, I remember being at a Hungarian Reformed church in right. Cleveland and speaking to a, a group um, uh, and all of the kids in this group came to receive Christ. It was myself and three others, and um, you know they'd never heard the gospel before, and just or maybe at a we were at a, a youth detention center, and all of these kids that you know had you know had a rough path. Uh, a good majority of them trusted Christ, or maybe it's a you know in Chicago a taxicab driver or somebody at the airport, or it's like. God's doing this stuff today. And you've got a story that I think relates to this. And it's not just the drama of the story, but it's the fact that we walk in faith and just obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit, and then God just takes it from there. Yes. Um, I think you know the story I'm talking about. Could you share that with us? Yeah, so some of you may have already seen out on Facebook this uh, very interesting photograph of me and a bunch of guys that I played in a band with back in the uh, 70s, mid, middle 70s. And, uh, you Isn't know, every Hebrew professor a hard rocker in another life? Evidently. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> no, I think that they only make one or two of those, and probably there were two, one or two too many. But anyway, we've got the long hair and the ZZ Top beards and everything, and so uh, we were one of the original Christian uh, metal bands and we played all over the, uh, the South and Southeast, played in uh, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, Mississippi, uh, Arkansas, Louisiana, just all over the place. Pe- uh, state parks, um, uh, the beaches in Florida at, at, at spring break, we played in um, uh, uh, mostly uh, like um, parking lots of strip malls and stuff like that. We rocked so heavy and we rocked so hard that one band pulled us aside and they said, look, you guys have got to tone it down or you're never going to be invited to play in churches. And we said, well, that's not where our calling is anyway. We're called to the street 
it's where we all came from and that's where that's that's what our where our hearts are are at so um one night we found ourselves playing in this little podunk town in middle uh mississippi uh called um uh mcgee mcgee i believe and uh after the, after the concert was over, we played off of a top back of a flatbed truck. Uh, we were praying for folks, and uh, someone came up to us and told us, did you hear the news? We said, no, we haven't heard any news. And they said, well, the, uh, Leonard Skinner's airplane crashed right outside of town. A lot of them have been killed. A lot of them are, you know, hanging on to life with a thread. Um, all of them are injured, and they've all been taken to this hospital right down the road. Um, and so we looked at each other, and we thought, here's an open door. They're rockers, we're rockers. You know, free bird, sweet home Alabama, right? That kind of thing. Give me three steps. Uh, come on, y'all. Leonard Skinner. <laughs> I can't go. A, if you're listening to what's called, what are now the oldie stations, you can't go a week without hearing a Leonard Skinner song. So we looked at each other, and we said, this is also what we're called to. Here's an opportunity. Here's an open door. Holy Spirit, empower us. Enable us to walk through this door and to be the kind of people you've called us to be and bear the kind of fruit you've called us to bear. So we just decided, and we were radical back in those days. We'd lay hands on a dead battery and it would come back to life. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so we, we went and we decided we'll go to the waiting room and we will put our hands on the walls and we'll get as close to these guys as we can and we will pray and ask for God's mercy and ask God to touch them, some of them in their last moments or last hours of life. So we went to the waiting room and we started praying and uh, almost immediately these two nurses came walking out of the ICU, you know, double doors, and we went, okay, here's where we get shown the back door, right, you know? The call to security, pick you up by the nap of the neck and by your belt, throw you back out in the parking lot from whence you came. So um, they walked over to us and they said, what are you guys doing? Well, we're here to pray for Leonard Skinner. Um, we just got finished with a, a concert downtown. They go, oh, yeah, we could hear that all the way up here um, because we were, you know, we'd play so loud. We would fry speakers and fry monitors and stuff like that. So uh, they, they said, you guys are a Christian band? Like rock and roll in those days doesn't go together with this following Jesus thing. And so we said, absolutely, we are sold out for Jesus. We're just trying to walk where he wants us to walk. And they said, well, why don't you walk right on back into the ICU? They were both Christian nurses. We want you to pray for these guys. So we split up into, into individuals and teams. A couple of the guys were married and their wives were with them. And we went back there and we got to pray for every one of the surviving members of Leonard Skinner. Some of them, like the guy that I uh, went to visit, his name was Leon Wilkerson, gave his life to Jesus that night and followed him until the end of his life just a couple of years ago when he passed away. He was a bass player. And I, I just walked up, up to his bed. I said, hello, hello Leon. My name is Wave Nunley. And... We're in a Christian band. We were just playing, you know, in a concert down the, down the road. And um, I, I, I've been told that you're in bad shape. His mouth was wired together. His jaw was broken all to pieces. And it was all wired back together. And he had tubes running into every place in his body. And uh, I said, look, I, I can't guarantee that you that you're going to make it the next hour or that you're going to make it through the night. But I'm here to offer you what he's, Jesus has been 
offering you all of your, your life, and that is an opportunity to know him and an opportunity to spend eternity with him. Would you like to pray and ask God to come into your life, forgive you of your sin, change you so that regardless of what happens tonight and the rest of your life, you know him and you know that your future uh, is secure in eternity. And, and, and all he could do was kind of barely nod his head as he had this brace around his neck, had a trach and all this stuff. And he, um, he, he, he just barely nodded his head and he was talking with his eyes. And um, so I led him in what we call the sinner's prayer. Jesus, I am a sinner. I know that without you that I am going to bust hell wide open. I, I want to ask you into my heart to forgive me of my sins based on your death and my place on the cross so that I can spend eternity with you. And, and he was, you know, nodding all along. And then we used some paper and stuff. And he said that he had given his life to the Lord. The rest of his life indicated that that was the case. And others in the group, in the band, had similar stories. And it was just amazing. It was a moment in time where it, God arranged or orchestrated these, these events where we would be in the same place where their, uh, where their airplane crashed. And he had two Christian nurses that were there who were led by the Holy Spirit to allow us you know, without proper PPE back in those days, into these um, uh, ICU, ICU rooms and uh, to, um, to witness to and pray for these guys. And uh, for some of them, it changed their lives. First service, I didn't share this, but about 10 years ago, my daughter Abby and I uh, got, had uh, tickets with my brother's help and backstage passes to a concert that was being played south of here uh, by Leonard Skinner and ZZ Top. And we got to go backstage, and this is what these guys wanted to know. We wanted to meet the guy that witnessed Leon Wilkerson, and we want you to explain to us what happened and how it changed his life so drastically. <laughs> so I got a whole new generation of says. Yeah. It's really cool. It's like the, the, the thing just keeps on going. So Ronnie Van Zant, the, the um, you know that famous, you know his voice in Freebird and Sweet Home Alabama. He got killed in the in the uh, plane crash. But his brother Johnny Van Zant, who you know same genetic pool and all of that, looks like him and sings just like him. So the new Leonard Skinner sounds just like the old Leonard Skinner. And this whole new kind of like half of a generation of Leonard Skinnerders. Uh, got a chance to hear about what happened to Leon Wilkerson that night in the hospital in um, that podunk, Mississippi. Well, listen, uh, after the first service, a guy came up to me and said, you know, I used to work security. Uh, he said he worked about a half dozen Leonard Skinner concerts, and he goes, they have retold this story several times. That's yeah. really yeah. just The story continues, <laughs> yeah. doesn't it, Abby? Yeah. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Amazing what God can do not because we're so awesome or we have such incredible abilities to orchestrate events in our lives, but because he's so awesome, changes us, empowers us by his spirit, and then opens up doors to allow us to do what we could never do on our own. That's part of the book of the story of the book of Acts. It is. I think, I think we think that, you know, I have to have this kind of, uh, you know, stupendous faith or, have this extra gifting, and really all it is is just saying, 
yes to the moment of the Holy Spirit's Absolutely. urging and watch what God does. If you listen to these guys on Christian TV, you know, you need to pray more. You need to be in the word more. You need to witness more. You need to go to church more. You, 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 you. And the reality of it is, is that the whole emphasis of the Bible is it's all about him. Mm -hmm. He greater is he who mm -hmm. is in us, mm -hmm. you know, um, it, you'll be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and to the ends of the earth. It's it, the emphasis is not on us. He's the one that does the heavy lifting. We do the yielding, you know, like, okay, I give you place in my life, Lord. I, I, I give you as my king, we'll talk about um, kingdom, uh, you're my king, you lead me into the places that you want. You open the doors, I don't have to bust them down, you give the opportunity and then give me the strength. You empower me for each opportunity to bear the fruit you've called me to bear. So you mentioned the filling of the spirit and um, I think that there is within the church today, there seem to be two extremes. There is the one extreme that I grew up in where, you know, the Holy Spirit is relegated to just a small duty of things. Um, and then there's another area, the other extreme, where if you have the Holy Spirit, it'll be, you know, with a particular manifestation or two. And it seems that there is a, and one of the themes that just jumped off the page for me is that you look at every time filling of the Spirit is mentioned or um, that there is a kind of a whole life experience involved with filling of the Spirit. Yeah. That, you know, preaching, um, you know, uh, not just, you know, on a Sunday morning or something, but um, relationships, uh, there's a boldness, a variety of ways that the Holy Spirit is seen. Can you comment on that for a second regarding the Holy Spirit and this whole life experience as opposed to just looking through a little uh, a little narrow way? Yeah, exactly. Happen? Like I was also raised at, uh, in a community where about the only time the Holy Spirit was mentioned was when someone got baptized. I baptized you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then, okay, move on. You know, like the policeman at a crime. Okay, everybody, nothing to see here. Everybody moving on. And um, it's, yeah, it's, it was in, oddly, and it was in the, 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 the radical 1970s when I was pursuing God in a way that I had to have as much of him as I could get in this little 5-7 frame because I had messed my life up with so many um, unhealthy decisions and lifestyle choices and stuff that something had to take the place of all of that. And so I have for my entire life been in pursuit of that original pristine um, first gen um, dynamics of the, of, uh, of, the, of the early Christian church in the book of Acts. Hmm. And so I had to, to begin setting uh, some of that aside. But the other side of it is after being a professor for 28, I'm still teaching part-time now, so 29 years, and writing and preaching and, you know, traveling and videotapes and everything else, um, I have begun to weary of these arguments between these two groups, these two opposing sides, where one downplays uh, the, the Holy Spirit, the other one makes it so almost spooky spiritual and, and maybe even weird that, you, you know, you don't want to get any of that on you because it could be contagious, <laughs> you know, sort of thing. 
And so I said in a video recently um, uh, for a podcast, I said, look, I don't care what you call it. Uh, it. It doesn't really matter as long as it glorifies God what it ends up looking like, you know. But um, I, I just want to encourage you, get empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then on a regular basis, stay empowered. That's one of the messages of the book of Acts is that these guys who are at one point filled, who are empowered by the Spirit, they get refilled throughout the book of Acts. You keep hearing about the same people being refilled. It's kind of like a car needing more gas every three, four, five hundred miles or whatever. It's like one, one time at the altar or one time saying yes is simply not enough. And it's not because he's lacking any, in any kind of way. It's, it's, it's we. It's we have this treasure in earth and vessels. We live in this fallen world. We're cl- cracked and we're, we get jostled and we get broken. We get spilled and we need that constant refilling because it is so much, so not about, you know, our good looks or our incredible singing ability or, you know, our, our ability to network or our creativity or our self-discipline or our personal, you know, you will it to, in, into existence. It's so much about him living through us that our primary responsibility is just simply to yield and to make ourselves avail- available and to say yes. You know, to submit to the rule of the great king. And then he's the one who empowers us to do what he's, to live the way he's called us to live and do what he's called us to do, bear the fruit he's called us to bear. You know, it seems to me both extremes have something in common, and that is they're seeking to control. Yeah. Human control over what God is doing. Right. And I think at the essence of this, the meaning is the Holy Spirit has control. It's the kiss of death for us to try to uh, put the rudder in the water and guide, try to, try to take the lead in, in what it is that God wants to do. We're the ones who are the followers. He's the one who's the master. We're the servant. He's the great king. And we start getting those, those realms mixed up, and that's indeed. And that is when labor becomes um, wearisome. That, that's when what he's called us to do becomes a struggle and and often um, creates uh, frustration and discouragement and even failure is that um, we're trying to be both servant and Holy Spirit, source of empowerment, rather than um, simply yielding and letting him regularly infuse us, um, empower, infill, enable us to do what he's lived the way he's called us to live, do what he's called us to do. A couple other themes worth mentioning is this idea of humility versus self-assertion. You know, I look at the Apostle Paul and his refusal to be worshipped, you know, him at the end of the book. I love the picture of him just gathering up sticks to start a fire. I didn't expect somebody else to do it. He's, right, right. he's going to pitch in and do That's this. Awesome. Yeah, it is. It is cool. Um, and uh, it seems that many within the faith community don't get this. It's about, you know, marketing ourselves, projecting a certain image of ourselves, and Paul didn't seem to be concerned with that. Yeah, this this early church seems to be marked by that, you know, they're talking about your holy servant, Jesus. They're looking at Jesus as being that suffering servant, 
And that just plays right over into the life of the early church where they're seeing themselves as, you know, not we're the exalted leadership, not we're the cult of person, you know, the, the, the focal point of a cult of personality, but rather we are servants. You find the, the early church leaders waiting tables, the deacons, the diakonoi, the, the word in Greek just simply means servant or slave. And um, that is, that's an, a life attitude. That's not, and it's not modular. It's not siloed. It's like, oh yeah, that's what we'll do when we're in church on Sunday morning. No, mm-hmm. you find this throughout the week, day after day, people serving other people. Mm-hmm. You know, boy, that's when, this is, these are the instances when we look most like Jesus. This is the, those, those times when Jesus is most purely formed in us because that's what so marked him. Humility, like servanthood obedience to the will of the father none of them popular anymore today by the way right you right. don't get a steady diet of that meat and potatoes on christian television but that servanthood mm-hmm. that humility and that obedience that openness use me lord i am the vessel i'm the the clay and you're the potter kind of attitude that you just don't get in in very often in the modern church i thought of that yesterday watching this group work at yes. this house i was Same just thinking that about I am. They, they could have done a hundred different things to well, amuse Saturday, themselves. And right. none of them wrong, yeah. um, but they're saying, you know, I'm willing to do something yes. for the benefit of others. Right. So they take their talent basin and they're just serving. Pouring yourself out um, by humbling yourself and, and, and pouring into the lives of other people. This is so the heart of God. This is so the heart mm-hmm. of the, um, of the, um, uh, the, the meek, the humble, the, the, the servant, the, the crucified Jesus that uh, is supposed to be our ultimate kind of role model. Right. It's the Spirit's work to form us into that. We don't do it ourselves. We, do, we try that track and we end up failing and we end up miserable and we're not living the abundant life that, that Jesus said that he came to bring. Uh, but instead we go from strength to strength by yielding to that empowerment and that and that. And that um, that changing power of the work of the Spirit inside of us, and isn't that the you know as Paul says in Corinthians, kind of faith by faith? Yes. You know, it's this step. It's just yes. relying upon the Spirit of the Lord. Yes. During that moment right. by moment process. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. One other um, theme seems to be this unity and diversity. I mean, diversity is kind of a hot topic. Um, and it's bandied about, but what it meant there in Acts was you had these two vastly different people, Jew and Gentile. Maybe before we get into the application of that, tell me about the differences. Why was that such a big deal that God was offering the gospel to the Gentiles? Why were the Jews finding this such a repugnant idea? Like from the time of Abraham, Father Abraham, we're talking about uh, 4,000 years ago, David 3,000 years ago, Jesus 2,000 years ago, Crusades 1,000 years ago, right? So kind of a big picture of time. 4,000 years ago, God chose Father Abraham, and he became the father of a multitude, um, a great nation. And so uh, it was understood, uh, it was assumed that God had always worked with the descendants of Abraham, the Jewish people, making covenant, renewing covenant with them, 
and that they were the chosen people of God and the kingdom of God, therefore, was restricted to them. It was very nationalistic, very ethnic, very language-centered, and even very, you know, a certain ge uh, piece of geography um, on the, the face of the earth. And that's, those were the n relatively narrow parameters of the kingdom of God. But the, it, we know from other places, from places within that very Bible, the Hebrew Bible or Old Testament, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all of we who dwell therein. We know that scripture, right? And um, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. The heavens declare the glory of God. We know that God is bigger than this. The Hebrew Bible or Old Testament ends with Malachi and, and one of the quotes of the book of Malachi is great is Yahweh even beyond the borders of Israel um, so you know that that's got to be the, the heart of God Isaiah says I've given you Jewish people as a light to the nations so so that and my, a covenant to the peoples so my salvation might reach the ends of the earth and so now in the first century and Jesus is there to renew the covenant and to be that light to the nations and stuff like that. And yet in the book of Acts, we're finding a, a, a Jewish Christian community living in the land of Israel, speaking Hebrew. And they're very ethnically and very culturocentric, very ethnically oriented. And yet you find news coming to the Jerusalem church about Peter who has gone to a home belonging to a Gentile and even eaten with them and even shared the good news with them. It's like, what in the world were you thinking, Peter? Hmm. Did the spirit of stupidity come upon you mightily? <laughs> you know? um, and so um, Peter has to explain his actions. Look, God gave me a vision and God put a burden on my heart. And when I went there and I began to speak what God had given me to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just like he did on us at the beginning. Hmm. How was I then to deny them entrance by way of water baptism into the kingdom? Hmm. And so now you've got this very, very ethnically, culturally, linguistically um, oriented Jewish Christian church and they're having to wrestle for the first time with, you mean the kingdom might be bigger than us four and no more? You mean that God might be giving entrance into, and then they tried to control it. Pastor Kevin, they said, okay, well, yeah, they can come in and we can have table fellowship with them and, and they can be called followers of Jesus, but we've got to make them Jewish first. They have to submit to circumcision and they have to agree to keep the entire law of Moses. Well, some people like Peter and Paul and Barnabas and Jesus' brother James stand up and they, and they all say, no, God reached out to them right where they were and accepted them in just as they were. And so evidently what God is doing is something much bigger than us four and no more. And maybe he's intending for us to expand our paradigm. And so the early church was really in an almost life and death struggle with this business of ethnicity and language group and family of origin, nationality and that kind of thing from its almost its earliest beginning. And yet we hear in the same book, in the book of Acts, that the Holy Spirit brought this incredible unity and broke down these barriers so that Paul would say it like this, in Christ there's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave or free, male or female, but rather we are all one in Christ. So in the book of Acts, we're given this really powerful message. Look, 
it's not going to be about peer pressure. And it's not going to be about legislation that breaks down walls and that makes people who are very different from one another in terms of family of origin or maybe skin color, or hair color, uh, hair texture, eye color. It's going to be by the work of God's spirit. God's spirit has to do the work or it really will not get done. And the message of the book of Acts is it can be. And it can happen, one, just like salvation, one person at a time. Just like empowerment of the Holy Spirit, one person at a time. So also, these issues that afflict our society today can be, can, can be dealt with and dealt with effectively. Dealt with down to their roots, but it's not going to be by peer pressure and it's not going to be by legislation. It's going to be by, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit says the Lord. We get that from the prophet Zechariah. Amen. Amen to that. Yeah. Um, I'd stand up and clap if I could. I, I think uh, the answer there is indeed the gospel. And uh, even more broadly, the idea that God has made people in his image and that they're deserving of value no matter what. Yeah. You know, that even if a person is not a Christian, they can have a sense that, you know what, you're a human being and you're deserving of value. Yes. They can be influenced right. by the theism of this. Yeah. Um, and as a culture, we're losing that. So it's not any surprise that what you have are various groups, you know, including not just, you know, racial groups, but sexual preference groups trying yes. to find identity right. separate from this attachment to God, exactly. and it'll never happen. Won't happen. Not, not to you find know, in the first, I talk about this in this commentary that I've afflicted you guys with for what was it, the last four years? Four years. Yeah, in the book of, for the book of Acts. Talk about how in the first century, in the temple that Jesus knew, there was the Holy of Holies, and then there was the court of the women, and mm -hmm. then outside of that was a, about a three, three-and-a-half-foot-high wall that had these plaques that were where it was carved into stone in Greek and in Latin. No non-Jew can enter beyond this point upon pain of death. Talk about that and how in the book of Ephesians, Paul refers to this and he said that it was called the, the middle wall of partition. Paul said that God in the spirit and by the work of Jesus on the cross has broken down the wall, the middle wall of partition and made the two into one body. These people who are so, if we think we have ethnic differences, and we do, but if we think we do, the first century between differences between Jew and non-Jew were so insurmountable that it was impossible to bring these together. It's the reason for all the struggle in the early church. And Paul says he broke down in, with his death on the cross in Ephesians 2, he broke down the middle wall of partition made the two one, and then reconciled the two both in one body, this unity, Christian, the spirit-produced unity, reconciled them both back to God the Father. Man, what an amazing display amazing. of power. It but that's what it takes. It shows the power of the gospel. Yes. But then I'm brought back to the present and saying why, and particularly Christians, are struggling so much with this concept. And two things come to mind. One is you don't see the word race in the New Testament or used with uh, you know, racism, that kind of thing. So, well, it's not in the Bible, but it's like saying, well, 
the word Trinity is not in the Bible, yes. but the idea is there. It's there. And okay. so it's, it's just replete throughout the New right. Testament that there's right. a problem in this area. That, that's one problem. The other, I think, is that whenever you bring the topic up, we live in a society that interprets things politically. They hear you saying something political. They, don't, they can't see the biblical record yes. and will just skirt right over the biblical content to get to, well, you know, what are you trying to say? You know, what side are you on? It's like, I'm not on any side. I'm on this side right here, what, what the scripture yeah, is saying. It's the only good and, side to be and, on is God's side. And it just, I think it makes us very nervous. Yes. Um, instead of just landing on the scripture and just let it speak for itself. Yes. Um, but uh, you're so right about the gospel being the answer. And yeah. Unless we bring that to this issue, yeah. it's just window dressing. Yeah. Yes, indeed. No matter what sport you play. Right. Or how many, you know, um, protests there are yeah. or any of that. It doesn't matter. It, unless you get into some kind of idea that God is valuing us. Yes. And that God has given us this. Right. Um, and the gospel's what really, because the gospel's the only thing that changes the heart. Yeah. Because what we don't need are the laws on the outside. We need a heart change. We have a heart problem. Yes. In fact, we've got a, a man-generated problem that we have broken it, but we don't have the power to fix it. Right. And that fix, that change, has got to come from outside the circle. Right. And it's not going to come from one of the political parties it's not going to come from uh, the uh, talk shows that are on the right side or on the left side or trying to split the middle. Right. It's going to come from outside the circle. And right. it's got to come right. from a change of, of the human heart. It's the only permanent change that is and, going to be affected. And you know, the sad thing is on one end, I see much of the church leaving the gospel in the dust and trying to do all these other man-made ways mm -hmm. to fix this issue. And it, it's just not going to... Okay. Yeah, the church can't afford to follow society. Right. Society's right. already trying that. And right. let's see, we've been at this a few thousand years right. Right. and um, haven't made a whole lot of headway. The, the, only, the only real change and the only permanent change is going to happen by the power of God's Spirit. Amen. I appreciate that. That's a good word, bro. Um, okay. Here's a, here's, the, and this will have to be the final question because I'm sure we could probably talk another 30, 40 minutes about this one. All right, you look at the book of Acts and you look at the church today. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes it doesn't always meet. Um, what do you think are some takeaways that the church could, you know, if we could get a uh, IV from the book of Acts mm -hmm. and have it into the church? Have that DNA infused in yes. us. What is, it, what is it we would need? You know, I, I could go off on this, but I'll let you go first. All right, well, this is exactly what Lacey, um, a, a product of the 60s and 70s, and I, product of the 60s and 70s, have pursued our entire lives, our entire the Christian uh, part of our lives, and that is the dynamics of this early church because the, it was popping back in those days. You've read mm -hmm. some of the book mm -hmm. of Acts, right? Mm -hmm. And you go, oh, my God ever-loving goodness. <laughs> what in the world had got a hold of those people? Well, the, the, their contemporaries thought the same thing. Uh, in chapter 17, uh, Paul and his group of people roll into town and the pagans say this, oh my goodness, the people who have turned the whole world upside down have now come here. We're not hearing that said about us. 
Um, but the early church did, and they did it without microphones and PAs. They did it without the ability to, to fly intercontinentally. They did it without large numbers and huge budgets and pamphlets and printing presses and stuff like that. But, you know, uh, people in, in the church who are sports or music or whatever kind of stars, they did it grassroots. That They really didn't do it. It was the power of the Spirit working through these broken, yielded, vessels that change the world, turn the world upside down in their generation, in their lifetime. And that's the kind of dynamic that my wife and I, we have been looking for our entire adult lives. Um, the, way, the, the, the pathway to that is the kind of brokenness uh, that, um, that fueled the life of Jesus himself. He changed the world fundamentally. I mean, he still is the dividing point between peoples, those who have received and those who have not. That, that higher living ethic, that, you know, uh, servanthood kind of ethic. Jesus changed the world, and it was because, you know, <clears throat> he made the decision, uh, I, I'm not going to let popularity be the driving force. I'm, I'm not going to let sensationalism be the driving force. I'm not going to let self-reliance be the driving force. I'm going, to call, I, I, I'm going to choose the way of brokenness and humility and obedience and servanthood. And it, it, it formed who he was. And it co consequently formed the DNA of this early church who was looking to him as, uh, for their cues. I'm absolutely convinced that that kind of you know, uh, like apostolic power poured out through that early church will not return to the 21st century church until we move back in that direction of the, of the broken, totally sold out, humble, obedient servant Christ um, that they saw, they eyewitnessed, and they wanted to imitate as well. And when they began to imitate that, God looked down and he said, there's a group of people that I can trust to bear my nature, to bear my image, to bear my message. There's a people that I can empower with my spirit to do these similar things that they saw Jesus doing and changed their world. And I'm absolutely convinced that that's what God's looking for today is a people that are broken and servant-hearted that will put, the, put other, put neighbor um, over self, um, and, and whatever happens, give the glory to him and not to them. And that is the kind of, uh, of people that God will be willing to pour his power and pour his spirit out and uh, to change their world through those kinds of people. More of him, less of me. More of him, less of me. Yeah. He must increase, but I must decrease. Yes, yes. N not not a, a Weight Watchers. Uh, tag. <laughs> More of him, less of me. Yeah. Well, I could go on so much further. I, I think you did a, for four years. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Give me another week. <laughs> there, are, there are miracles in the modern day. You guys survived it. <laughs> Vicariously through him, you survived <laughs> me. <laughs> well, you know, it kind of goes to, I think, what you're talking about is I think, you know, you look at 
you look at the amount of time that Paul would spend in a place just teaching and ministering and having relationships. And that is not the value today. The value today is, you know, social media presence. Um, It is, you know, marketing. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, hip worship band. It's, you know, whatever's going on on Sunday be, you know, scintillating. That is equated into what that ministry is. It's kind of boring to go through the Bible, you know. It's boring to be equipped. You know, it's boring to love people and to work through an issue when you've got a problem, mm-hmm. say, hey, I can go down this place and, yeah. you know, just start anew down here. Yeah. But to me, that kind of ministry that Paul did where he gets back with John Mark, you know, yep. you know and he works through it. Yes. To me, when you say those things, that's the kind of thing that I think in my mind. 100%. Um, yeah. And um, I... You know, you may not blow the doors off, but I think you have to be faithful to what the Spirit of God is doing. And that you leave it in the Spirit's hand. If he brings that kind of fruit, awesome. Um, But I still want to serve like that with completely sold out to the mission. And, you know, you look at those guys, uh, there didn't seem to be a whole lot of doubt about what they were committing their life to. No. Uh, They weren't too double-minded. No, they were very, very purposeful. And their purpose, again, tracks back to that Jesus. And I've asked myself so many times, why do those guys run those rabbit trails on Christian TV and radio and print media? Why, why are they emphasizing this, that, and the other? Why, why is it always something new every time? Why is everybody trying to outdo the other? And my conclusion is they either they don't have the tools and they don't have the commitments to these basic things. And so you've got to find something to fill right. in the blanks. You've right. got to find something right. to excite or to attract uh, or whatever. And the result is what you see in, in uh, the emphases of those, of those kinds of ministries when the reality is the meat and potatoes, the nuts and bolts, just kind of the basic where the rubber meets the road, what has always held uh, the Christian community in good stead in the past, it, it's, it, that's the answer. It's getting back to these dynamics that, that fueled the church of the first century that will fuel the church of the 21st century Amen. if we will but let them. Amen. Amen. Let him. I think it gets, I think it's discouraging for some people because they, they see, you know, communities that aren't committed to those things yeah. and they seem to have all the toys and the bells and whistles. And you may not have all those. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, where's the reward in all that? Oh, you know, I'm not good-looking enough. Right. I don't have a good enough voice. I don't play a musical instrument. I'm not a very very convincing public speaker. I don't have all of the, you know, the theatrics and the George Lucas and, and um, Spielberg kind of um, special effects. And, well, I don't have the big budget. And I don't have the studio. And I don't have a gigantic following and stuff. You just start by just basically being faithful and following Jesus Amen. on day-by-day kind of basis. And instead of trying to do it all on your own, well, I guess I just got to suck it up. I just got to have more self-determination. I have to have more self-will, more you know, self-control, whatever. So I'm going to lean on you, Jesus. I'm going to open up to you to empower me on a daily basis, Holy Spirit. Just see what God will do 
with you at your job, in your marriage, with your children, at your workplace, in your school, and the like. And let him be your source instead of all the stuff, all the accoutrements that seem to have become, quote, necessary, a, a requirement to do anything for God. No, it's a, on a day-by-day -day basis. These impoverished, uh, persecuted, um, few in number, uh, no-name people changed history and turned their world upside down <laughs> in one generation. Get my juices going, brother. Man. Yeah, it's a, that's, that's good it, stuff. It's an exciting book. Yes, it is. It's a great three and a half years I spent with Luke in my basement. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for writing it. Hey, uh, my commentary. pleasure. We sure appreciate my, you. My joy. Think an awful lot of you and respect you Thank and you. love you, my friend. Right back to you. Same to you. All right. Well, let's offer up a word of prayer or we'll be dismissed, all right? Father, thank you for meeting with us. Thank you for my dear brother, Wave. May this conversation spur us on to truly be on mission, to make Jesus famous, to just put the attention on him, that people would know the power of the gospel. May our lives be sold to that mission. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.